We're in a series right now called The Seven Deadly Sins, which is a look at seven sins that the church fathers over long periods of time have said, these are the ones you need to watch out for. These are the ones that are straight up deadly. And tonight, we're looking at anger. Um, Does anyone here ever get angry? Yeah? Does anyone here get angry a lot? Yeah? Okay, okay. So this is for you. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, turn to verse 26. Verse 26 through 27, really simple passage tonight. I'm going to read it. Ephesians 4, verse 26 to 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath and don't give place to the devil. Here's the question for tonight. Is anger always bad? Is anger always bad? I don't know. I mean, I think many in the church, myself included at times, would say, yeah, anger's always bad. I know I've definitely thought that before. But here's the problem. If you're human, you've probably been angry at at least someone today. Have any of you guys been angry at least once today? A show of hands? Yeah, okay. So anger happens a lot. (laughs) Anger is a, it's a pretty natural response to something that goes wrong. If, If, you know, for me, I get angry not at people often. Most of you guys know me. I tend to be pretty patient when it comes to people. There's been times where people, especially when you guys are in junior high, that literally it's like you almost lit my office on fire and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, okay, this is fine. I'm okay. Um, but for some reason I get really angry when it comes to inanimate objects. I don't know what it is. Like it just turns me into like this rageaholic whenever like I'm trying to work on a computer and it's not working. Like when I get that spinning beach ball, I'm like, I upgraded my MacBook Pro to 16 gigs of RAM and I've got three terabytes of storage space. It should not be giving me that beach ball. It should just be running like a machine. Like that's what it is, a machine. It's, it's what it should be doing. Um, I get mad when I'm trying to fix something because I'm not very handy. I stink at being handy. Um, I got a little... Uh, I can't even think of what it's called, a a power drill. I got a power drill from Ikea. That's how not handy I am. It's in there. It's really cute. Ikea gives you these really, like, dainty little, like, uh, Swedish, you know, drills. Uh, It's not like the big... uh, I got got a really nice big one for my bachelor party when I was, uh, you know, getting married to Brooklyn seven years ago, and I used it, like, once and lost it. So I had to go to Ikea and get the little dainty one. I was trying to fix my desk, and I was sitting under there, and I was like, I'm so close, and then it, like, fell on me, and I just... You, you're, you're just glad you weren't in the room with me because I, I said some things that weren't nice. Um, tonight, we need to look at anger because it's something that is very normal to all of us. And I want to look at right and wrong anger because anger is natural for humans. And some of us have more explosive personalities than others. Let's just be honest. Some of you guys are like me. You know, you're chill most of the time. Others of you guys... You can go off at the slightest thing. The slightest thing can just cause you to explode with anger. And none of us can completely escape anger. Anger is natural to humanity. I've never met someone who was so peaceful that they could stub their toe and just act like a little angel. Like the kindest, sweetest person that I know, when they stub their toe, they get mad. There are some who believe anger is an emotion that should be never shown in the Christian life, that it's repression of the emotion that is the only acceptable answer. But the Bible actually never says that. The Bible actually never says don't ever be angry. So in fact, to say that as Christians we should never be angry is actually unbiblical. So what does the text say? Well, go, go back to it. Ephesians 4, verse 26 to 27. What's the first two words? Be angry. So literally the Bible's like, hey, if you're going to be angry, which you will, be angry, but, but what's the catch? Do not sin. So that's what we're looking at tonight. How can we be angry, which is a very natural response to things, and then do what is supernatural, which is to be angry without sin? It says literally be angry, but not in a way that's sinful, not in a way that gives the devil any opportunity in your life. So how do we do that? How do we be angry and not sin? Well, the answer is not to repress it, The answer is not just to stuff it down, because what happens when you stuff down anger? What happens when you're angry and you just stuff it down and stuff it down and you don't deal with it? Eventually, you blow up in a big way. Eventually, you lash out at people. Eventually, either it turns into direct lashing out or it turns into deep bitterness. So what's the biblical way? What's, What's the Jesus way? 
Well, it's not to repress anger. It's to work with it in a way that honors God. It's to bring it out and lay it out before God and deal with it in a way that honors the Lord. So how do we be angry and without sin? How do we be angry in a way that won't cause sin? It won't give Satan an opportunity in our life. It won't cause us to miss the mark. That's what sin means, to miss the mark. How do we have anger that's in line with God's heart? Well, look at Paul's writing. There, there seems to be a, kind, a right kind of anger and a wrong kind of anger. So let's begin with the apostle's statement. He says, be angry. Every single one of us has been angry at something. Different things cause us to feel anger. Sometimes it's surprises. Like my mom, that's like the one thing that gets her mad. Like when I was a kid, if you walked into the kitchen, if she was facing away from you, even if you were just like... Hi, mom. She would literally scream. And if she had a knife in her hand because she's chopping carrots, she'd turn around and point it at you. Like, Amanda, you know what I'm talking about. Like, she freaks out. She'd get angry because she'd be surprised. Other times, it's pain. You, there's pain in your life, whether it's you stub your toe or it's emotional pain or, or, or some sort of spiritual pain that causes you anger. Sometimes it's missed opportunities. I remember a time I was very angry, um, and most of you guys have heard this story before, but I remember uh, I was at the Knott's Berry Farm um, when I was a kid, and we were on this field trip, and there's this girl I had a huge, huge crush on, and uh, I was really, I was, you know, this is like third or fourth grade or whatever, so, you know, obviously... You know, the right time to be looking for a girlfriend, <laughs> third or fourth grade. Um, but uh, yeah, th- I really had a big crush on this girl, and I was hoping to impress her, so I was, you know, standing very close to her as we were walking, and I was thinking, I was, you know, I'm going to say something that's going to impress her, I'm going to say something that's just going to create this opportunity for me to be her boyfriend. And what I ended up doing was I bumped into this metal trash drum. And it was one of those hot days, and this, you know, it was like a, a near the end of the school year summer field trip day. And so if you've been there, you know those things are swarming with bees. So I, I bumped into that blue metallic trash drum, and this swarm of bees fly out. So the girl that I liked, she kind of just looked at the bees, and she was like, oh, bees. I fell on the ground and started crying like a baby. <laughs> And, and then um, I didn't get an opportunity with her, but her mom had to take me home early. So, yeah, I was very mad at myself. I was very angry because of that missed opportunity. Some of you guys, it's injustice. It's something that's not right. Someone does something that's not right in the world, and it just causes you to just be full of this just anger, this frustration. Um, I'm going to embarrass my wife for a second uh, because... She is probably the sweetest, calmest, most sensible person I know, but there's one place that gets her, and that's when she's driving. If someone cuts her off, she turns from the sweet lady, the sweet, wonderful person, to all of a sudden, like, she's like Liam Neeson in the movie Taken, and she's like, I will hunt you down, and I will cut off every single person you've ever loved. Like, that's, that's what happens. She gets... She has to show them the injustice that they've caused. Anger is one of the natural instincts of man, and it's the capacity for anger against evil that's essentially right and good. Here's what I'm saying. When you see something in the world that's wrong or evil, and it causes you to be stirred up with anger, that's actually something that's righteous and good. Let me give you an example. One of my least favorite things in the world is Racism. I hate seeing that still in 2017, racism still exists, not just in America, but in other countries. And it's perpetuated, and people, people do it in this way where they, they trash talk one another, and, and they judge people based on the color of their skin. I absolutely hate racism. Another thing I hate is abortion. I hate seeing that in our society, it's so accepted. Like, literally, it's, it's the accepted stance of almost every single musician or movie star that you love in Hollywood. Uh, it's like the, the people who make the culture are pretty much all on the side of abortion, saying that a little kid, a, a baby who's not born has no rights, and they're not even a person. They don't even exist. That makes me so frustrated. And I think to look at things in our world, like racism or, or, or uh, abortion or any sort of injustice, and to be stirred up where you're frustrated about this that's actually something that's god given because you're responding to something in the world that's not right and you're you're stirred up by it but here's the problem here's where it becomes very difficult for us who struggle with this a lot of times we get stirred up towards anger towards a sin but the bible says hate the sin but also love the sinner and it 
it becomes very hard for us at times to hate racism and not hate the racist. It becomes very hard for us to hate abortion, but also not hate the abortionist. Do you understand what I'm saying? We, we hate sin, but then to look at someone who is in sin and then choose to love them, even though we're so frustrated by their sin, to choose to love them, to do that is truly to act like Christ. But it's so hard to do. Anger is this fundamental function of humanity. We all have it. Have you, how many of you guys saw the movie Inside Out? Yeah? Pixar, so good. So Inside Out is this movie. It's the people who made Finding Nemo, or I guess Finding Dory is the new one. Um, Pixar movie where there's this little girl named Riley. She's like 11 years old, and she's going through this like crazy season in her life where her parents are uprooting her from her home and moving her to this horrible place where the pizza isn't even good. And it's just it's gnarly, and it's sad. And, and inside your head, you get to look, and there's all these emotions, and it shows how they run her life. So she's got... Uh, I thought the only thing that was interesting about the movie is she's has all these negative emotions that run her life, anger, fear, disgust, sadness, and then the only positive emotion she possesses is joy. And I was just like, come on, Pixar. Like, there's more excitingly awesome feelings that you can have besides joy. It's not just like, oh, all these bad feelings. But anyway, in that movie, we see that anger is actually something that we need because anger in her life actually motivates her. Like on the hockey court, it's, it's anger, it's that drive to beat the other team that motivates her. And I think anger is something that sometimes God can stir up in us when we respond to sin. When we see that something's not right, he wants us to look at sin and say, that's not right, I need to move against that. For instance, if my wife was attacked, I would be angry. Absolutely. If someone attacked my wife in an alleyway, I would be stirred up because I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is something that is not right. My wife is precious. She's beautiful. She's valuable to me. That someone would attack her, I'm stirred up to anger. But then the answer, the question is, what do I do with that anger? What does that anger push me to do? Does it push me then to turn and murder? Like just straight up on purpose, like intentionally like murder the person who's attacking my wife? Or does it stir me towards protection? to save my wife, to rescue her at all costs. It's two different reactions. And it's that sense of when we look at injustice in the world, when we see things that are wrong, it causes us to be stirred up and it's positively a good thing. Like for instance, I remember um, when I was in, I think Oklahoma, uh, I was with my wife and we were on this trip to visit her parents. And we drove to this downtown area where we were looking at all these Christmas lights. And as we were driving, I saw this girl, just this short girl, just walking by herself in the darkness. And immediately, like, me and my wife and uh, her stepdad and her mom, we were all kind of like, what's this? This is like a little girl walking in the dark. What's going on? So we got out of the car and we started talking to her. And she was this little girl with Down syndrome. And she was just like... She could not find her mom and she was crying and she was so upset. And I remember just being like stirred up and I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't right. Like this poor girl, like she needs to be helped. And, and as I was stirred to try to find her mom, we spent like an hour trying to find her mom. And then we finally found her and her mom wasn't even looking for her. It was just this woman who literally, like, when we brought her daughter to her, she acted like, oh, were you gone? I didn't even notice. She was, like, at the food station buying herself a corn dog and some funnel cake. And it was just, like, she had no idea her daughter had been missing for an hour. And, like, you guys are going to think I'm a big sissy, but, like, I was so just watching this poor little girl and seeing the complete feeling of abandonment that she felt. I was so mad that when we got back to the car, I started like breaking down in tears because I was just like, this poor girl, like this is probably her life. This is probably what she experiences all the time. A mom who doesn't care, someone who's not there for her. Like it's no wonder that she hasn't been lost permanently. It's no wonder she hasn't been kidnapped. I was so frustrated and I didn't dwell on the anger. I didn't go hunt down that lady and punch her in the face, but that anger, it pushed me to say, okay, what am I going to do with my anger now? What do I do with it? Do I dwell on it? Do I get bitter at that lady? No, it stirred me to action. And so then I said, I'm going to pray for this lady. I'm going to pray for her daughter. I'm going to do what I can in that way. God, give me compassion for the sinner. Here's the thing about anger. That's interesting. We can look at anger and we can say, you know, anger is a part of your sin nature. That's true in the sense that the worldly anger, where you lash out at people, where you snap at your mom, when you say things that are rude, when you say things that are bitter and cruel, that's part of your sin nature. But there's another form of anger that we're talking about, this righteous anger, that's actually godlike. 
It's actually part of the image of God. In the Bible, God gets angry, and rightfully so. It says in the Bible that he's a jealous God, and when he sees his children walking away from him, he gets angry at those false gods that are sweeping them away. When God sees sin in your life, he's not angry at you in the sense that he just wants to destroy you. He's angry at that sin because he, he loves you so much that he hates anything that would hurt you. So anger is actually something that God experiences. It's a God-like emotion. The man or woman who never gets angry, you're not really being human. You're denying your humanity. God loves us so much and it's an anger towards sin that pushes him towards loving Should we never be angry? Listen, the Bible never tells us to crucify a natural instinct. Scripture tells us that our natural instinct should be brought under the control of the Holy Spirit and then rightfully used. All of our natural instincts are constantly in a war, guys, constantly. We're constantly being torn back and forth between I want to follow the flesh and I want to follow the spirit. We're constantly being torn back and forth between God and Satan. And so it goes with our anger. When you struggle with anger, Satan is constantly saying, I want to twist this and I want to turn you into just this bitter, spiteful, hateful person. God's looking at the anger and he's like, I want to push you towards action where now you are loving people and you are rescuing people from their problems and you are just, you're, you're, you're angry not at people but at the situations and the sin that ensnares them. So what does good anger look like? Psalm 97.10 says, you who love the Lord hate evil. Do you love the Lord here tonight? Do you love the Lord? If the answer is yes to that question. The question I would ask next is, do you hate evil? Do you hate evil? I'm going to be honest. There are times where I'm so used to evil that it's so easy just to let it into my life because I'm so exposed to it. We live in an evil world. We see it all over the place, all over it's very easy for you guys on a school campus where there's evil all around. I don't mean like school, people in your school dressed up like witches or whatever. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about the real true evil that ensnares people. Most of us, when it comes to evil, we're pretty just meh about it. When we're encountered with it, it's just kind of like, mm, I mean, what are you going to do? It's the way of the world. But think about it. In a war... And it's sad, it's tragic, it's, it's, a, it's the result of a fallen world. But when we see wars, think about wars. You guys have studied wars in your school, right? Wars? You guys are like, I don't know about war. Um, so in school, you learn about war. Most of the time what happens is in any war, one side ends up hating the other. The citizens of one country end up hating the other. Why? Because they love their country, because they love their family, and the people from that other country are a part of a system that's attacking their country, killing their, their fellow soldiers, killing their family members, bombing their towns. And so they end up hating that other country. Now for us as Christians, we are not called to hate people, but we need to think of sin and the enemy and Satan as that country that is at war with the heavenly country. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to look at sin as something that is destructive, not just be so accepting of it, not to just be like, hey, who cares? Who cares what I listen to? Who cares what I watch? Who cares what I say? Who cares what I wear? Who cares what I think? Who cares what I look at on my phone? Who cares, who cares, who cares? It's just a part of life. No, we need to look at any sin like a destructive enemy force that is constantly attacking us and the people that we love and tearing people apart. See, godly anger flows out of love. When what we love is attacked, the natural response is anger. Like I said, if someone attacked my wife, I love her. The natural response would be anger. If someone disses your friends, if someone gossips about your friends, do you get angry? Yeah? Yeah, I, I do. It's a natural response. When, when someone makes fun of your favorite sport or your favorite team, do you get upset? Yeah. <laughs> that was a bigger response for family. <laughs> so apparently you care more about your sports than your family, but that's okay. For me, even if someone attacks my favorite movie, if someone attacks Star Wars, I'm just like, let's go. I will debate your face off, okay? I read Wikipedia, which is the, <laughs> the Star Wars version of Wikipedia. We, we naturally are stirred up 
when what we love is attacked because we truly love them. So we, listen, we cannot say that we love God unless we hate what he hates. Think about it. Why are we doing this series? Why are we doing this series? Why are we looking at sin? It's because we want to know what is God against? What does he hate? What things in my life is he constantly saying that is no good for you and I want to pluck that out? Because guys, we can become so easily ensnared in these things and the wrong kind of anger, just like we talked about envy the other week and just like we talked about apathy, the sinful, wicked kind of anger, honestly, is a sin that many of us feel that we can't live without. Like, I can't live without anger. I've got to be able to be just bitter at people. I've got, if I can't hold on to my grudges, if I just have to forgive people, that's too hard. I can't do that. We need to hate what God hates. We need to hate sin. I hate other people's dogs. <laughs> um, here's what I mean by that. Um, my, my dad's dog is great. I mean, he's, he's a little psychopath. He literally, like, you go to the house, and he's just like, hey, I'm going to bite you for the next two hours. Is that okay? And you're just like, hey, man, that's cool. And you just sit on the couch. I just hold out my, I don't, I just straight up hold out my hand now. And he comes over, and he just latches onto it. But he's got this he's weak, this super weak jaw, so he doesn't do any damage. So I literally just let him bite my hand for two hours, and it's okay. You know, we've, me and Reddington, we've, we're tight that way. But when it comes to other people's dogs, I hate them because dogs get away with the worst stuff. And people make excuses for their dogs. I go to other people's houses, and their dog, like, jumps on me and tries to bite me. And, and like, literally, you, got, you guys know, uh, how many of you guys saw that gnarly pit bull dog uh, at my house? My crazy neighbor, Danny, with the long hair and big mustache. His crazy pit bull that, like, would chase people down. Did anyone run into him at all? A few of you guys I heard have been attacked by him. Here's the thing. So I go to Danny's, and I try to talk to him, and his dog comes out. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't want anything to do with your dog. And he's like, oh, man, he's all right. That's what everyone says about their dog. It's always just, oh, he's all right. It's like, no, dude, he's not. He's literally trying to bite me. And he's like, dude, he's fine. He's fine. And, and then I'm, Danny has this big scar on his arm. I'm like, where'd you get that scar, Danny? He's like, my dog bit me. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> your dog's not all right. And he's like, he's all right. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. This is how we treat our sin. People in our life come to us and they try to point out our sin and we're just like, it's fine. It's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Guys, we would hate it if someone said that about the dog that's attacking us. How much more should we hate sin? How can we know what God hates? Well, we need the spirit. Romans 5 verse 5 says, the love of God has been poured out in the hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given himself to us. God gives us his Holy Spirit and through it, he gives us love for others. That's agape love. It's that love that is just the most perfect love. The love that even though someone can slap you in the face, you can still love them. The kind of love that parents have when a child runs away from home and says, mom and dad, forget you. I want nothing to do with you. And then that parent sits on the porch every night, hoping that their kid will come home, praying for their kid, loving their kid. That's, it's that unconditional agape love. And our capacity to love God and others should increase. And as we have the Holy Spirit and God allows us to love others and our capacity to love others increases, our sensitivity towards things that violate God's character should happen. And here's what that means. When you're sensitive to things that are against God, that's, that's that righteous anger that you get. And here's where that's appropriate. Righteous anger. When you see someone being bullied at your school, Someone like being picked on, whether it's verbal abuse or actual physical violence, if you see someone at your school who other people are just treating like trash, it's righteous for you to get stirred up against that, to say that's not right. When you see racism, when you see abuse, guys, today in, in, our, in our modern age, when you see mistreatment of women, whether it's putting down girls or whether you see it's objectification of them, treating them like they're objects, you should be stirred up to, to anger towards that, not participating in it. Listen, anytime humans don't treat other humans like they deserve, what they're doing is they're violating the image of God in one another. God created every single one of us as in the image of God. That means that we're like him. That means we, we're basically his family. We're his sons and daughters. We share his attributes. And so when you see someone putting down someone else in any way, what they're doing is they're not respecting that image of God that's in them. 
And we should care about that. Jesus shows this. Let's, let's look at some examples of righteous anger illustrated by Jesus. Because it's important not to misinterpret what I'm saying. There is a time for anger. Mark 3, 5. Jesus was angry at the Pharisees when they were trying to attack him for healing on the Sabbath. Jesus heals this guy. But it was on a day that he wasn't supposed to, according to tradition. So there's this guy whose his whole life has not been able to walk. This guy, his whole life, has had this horrible, horrible existence of just pain and suffering. And Jesus says, I love this person, so I'm going to heal them. And the Pharisees say, dude, it's Saturday. It's the Sabbath. What are you doing? You're not allowed to do this. Jesus was angry at them. He responded, and it says in Mark 3, 5, when he had looked around at them with anger being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He was saying, what's wrong with you guys? You don't care about people needing healing. You just care about your rules and regulations. Now, did Jesus throw a tantrum? Did he start, you know, turning them into wine? Just like, now you're a bottle of wine, Pharisees, because apparently I can do that. I mean, he could if he wanted to. He's Jesus. Does he throw a tantrum? Does he start screaming at people? Does he start raging out on them? No, but he still feels angry, and then he channels those feelings into positive actions. Look at Mark uh, 10, verse 14. It says that Jesus was angry when his disciples kept the children away from him. So Jesus is talking to a crowd, and there's these little kids who want to speak to Jesus. They want to come up and sit on his lap and play with him and talk to him. And the disciples are like, hey, hey, no, 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 no kids. This is only for grown-ups. And Jesus, is, he kind of snaps at them. And he's like, hey, guys, like, let the little kids come on to me. Come on, let them come here. I love them. He's angry because he's his disciples who he's training, the guys who are supposed to be like him, they are not thinking about children. They don't care. And what they're doing is they're misrepresenting Jesus. And I think Jesus is frustrated when his disciples misrepresent him. Does Jesus fly into a violent rage? No, but he gives them a stern correction. In John 2, Jesus was angry when he cast the money changers out of the temple. This is probably the most famous example. So just imagine we're like in this room and we're hanging out. And um, for some reason, like I decided that like I was going to sell T-shirts of my face like for my benefit, like here at youth group. I don't think any of you guys would buy T-shirts of my face. Maybe like one of you to be ironic, but um, let's just say it wasn't a T-shirt of my face. Let's say it was a T-shirt of something you really liked. Um, so let's say that you're buying these T-shirts and then Jesus comes in. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. I never thought he'd show up at youth group. And he comes in and he starts like knocking over these tables and he's just like, what are you guys doing? This is church. You're not supposed to be buying T-shirts. You're, you're disgracing the house of God. That's one of the most famous examples of Jesus actually showing anger. His anger led him to action, but it was always motivated by love for God and love for people. You see, anger is needed at times to move us to action, and it gets us moving along the lines of proper concern. When we hear about injustice, we get angry, and rightly so. Uh, For me, I remember um, in my house recently, uh, this is the first time this happened, so you guys, well, I'm not going to have this problem anymore, but back in the day when you guys all came to my house, you always left the door open. Mice always came into my house, like every time. And what would happen is I would try to trap them and poison them, and then they'd run into my walls and die, and then flies would appear in my house. And I remember the first time it happened, me and Brooklyn were sitting there, and Brooklyn saw a fly, and she's like, honey, there's a fly. And I was like, oh, is there? I mean, their lifespan is only like 24 hours, so like he'll be dead like by tomorrow. <laughs> I just I didn't want to get up off of the couch and stop watching TV. I was just like, it's a big house, so just fly around. I don't care. <laughs> the next day, two flies, two flies, and Brooklyn's like, honey, there's two flies, and I'm like, yeah, but like those were probably like the niece and nephew of the fly that already died, and they were a little bit younger, but they're probably gonna die like within an hour. Like it's fine. A couple days later, literally a hundred flies in my house. Like a hundred flies, just everywhere, just in my face. Every, like it, I got angry <laughs> at myself, but also at the flies because they're in my house. Like just, there was anger. And I remember I, I, I tied a scarf around my face and I put on protective goggles, which were cheap dollar store glasses. And I blasted Queen's hit song, Another One Bites the Dust, for about five hours while I hunted down every single last fly and killed it. (laughs) My anger drove me to positive action. I I cleared the sin out of my house. (laughs) Remember, anger must be driven by love. Anytime we're angry, we have a choice. 
Where do I channel this anger? Do I channel it into love or do I channel my anger into hate? I think a prime example of this is anyone Star Wars fans in here? Any Star Wars fans? Yeah? Whoa! Scotty, escort that man outside. Um, So, unless, was that Scotty who said it? I'll fight you. Right now. Oh, okay, James. All right. I was going to say James, escort Scotty outside. Um, Star Wars. Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay? You've got Anakin, who's like super whiny. And then Obi-Wan, who's just like the sassiest Jedi of all time. I love Obi-Wan because he always says something really witty and then like sashay is off into the distance. Yeah, he's, he's a sassy Jedi. He's like, hello, Anakin. Ha-ha. Um, so Obi-Wan Kenobi was the Jedi who, he, he was angry. He saw what the evil Jedis were doing by destroying all his family and destroying all the other Jedis. He was angry, but he didn't let the dark side of the anger overpower him. Instead, he decided to control it and continue to work for the force of good. Anakin gets super angry about everything in his life. He's angry that the Jedis won't let him be a Jedi master. He's angry that he can't marry Padme. He's ang- you're like, Aaron, you're such a nerd. I know, I know, but he's so angry. He's angry that Obi-Wan's better than him. He's angry that he lost his hand in battle. He's just, he's, and then his mom dies, and that just sets him off. And he goes to the village where someone killed his mom, and he kills everyone in the entire village, if you've seen Star Wars Episode Three, he, And then he comes back, and he's like, I killed them. I killed them all. Well, I mean, it came out in the 90s, so anyway. Well, go watch it tonight. I only spoiled a little part. I'm getting angry now. Um, <laughs> the point is, the point is, we have a choice with our anger. What are we going to do? Are we going to channel into love where we're moving to rescue and love and help other people where we're stirred up by our anger but not motivated and controlled by it or will we let anger consume us? It's this warning against apathy. Last week we talked about apathy. Guys, we have to care. If we don't get mad about anything, if we don't get frustrated at sin in our lives, it's because we love little. If we don't get frustrated at the wickedness that we see around us, it's because we don't really love God as much as we say. A lack of anger towards sin when we are no longer moved by injustice, when we feel nothing for the oppressed, when we feel nothing for people who are going through things that are hard, when, we, when, it's just, when we're desensitized to it, it's so wrong. I remember when I was young, um, I remember the first time I was just on the computer and I saw something inappropriate. I was probably like, I think six or seven years old. I was so angry because I was looking at this thing on the screen. I was just, I was just browsing the internet. I had no idea. And this thing pops up and many of you guys know you deal with this. This is your life. You, you can't even get on Instagram and go on the explore page without seeing something crazy. But this was back in the day when I was just this young kid and I saw this thing and I was just like, what the heck? And I was angry and frustrated and hurt. And I remember crying. I like went to my parents. And I was like, what the heck is this thing on the screen? And it, it, was, it was such a bummer. And I see that all the time in people's lives. When you're young and you're exposed to sin, whether it's any kind of sin, you're upset by it. But the older you get and the more you're exposed to it, you're no longer upset by it. It no longer frustrates you. You're just like, well, that's just how the world is. Guys, are you used to sin? Has your love for the Lord grown cold because you're so accepting of all the wicked things in the world? Listen, I want to encourage you guys tonight, pray that the Lord restores your first love to him. To say, God, help me to be frustrated at the sin in the world. Not at the sinners. Never at the sinners. Never so frustrated that we hate people who sin, but constantly frustrated with the sin that's tearing people and ourselves apart. Listen, if you're here tonight, and that's you. If you're here tonight, you're like, I really struggle with this and yeah I actually I don't get angry at sin I just accept it I see it all the time and I'm totally okay with it I listen to music that literally is non-stop f-bombs and one night stands and just sexually explicit lyrics like that's the music I listen to yeah I watch movies that are just all about sex all about just gnarly crazy violence not just normal music, uh, movie violence but like beyond that uh, I, my life and the people I am with are constantly sinning and they're, they're constantly doing things that are wrong and they're constantly disrespecting their parents they're constantly cursing the name of God they're, they don't care about the Lord and you're in that environment and you're around those people and you're just like I don't care. If that's you tonight, listen, don't condemn yourself, but instead, ask God to change your heart. 
Ask God to restore back to you that that love that you have for him that causes you to get frustrated with anything in the world that's not right to the point where you're driven to reach the world with the gospel. John Wesley said this, give me 100 men who fear nothing but God and hate nothing but sin and we will tear down the gates of hell together. I love that quote. We'll shake the world for Christ because we know nothing but Christ and we hate nothing but sin. Here's two warnings. Two warnings we see in the passage. Regular anger that's unchecked is selfish. It's selfish. It's motivated by this self-love to protect ourselves and to push other people down. What does it say? Be angry, but what? Do not sin. It's easy to sin when we're angry because we so quickly lose control. We get angry and it's like we turn into the incredible Hulk. For, for me, it's weird. Like I said, there's one other area I get angry. Uh, it's not when I'm dealing with high school students or junior high students. For some reason, I've been given a lot of patience for that. You guys could literally tackle me and I would probably be fine. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, side note on that. So Rebecca will remember this because uh, she was around. Um, Rebecca's amazing, by the way. She's been a counselor since I was a kid. And so she is just the ultimate counselor. If you guys ever have a question about life or need advice, like seriously, Rebecca's amazing. Uh, but I don't know if you remember this, Rebecca, but uh, when I was in high school, when I was a freshman, we had a guy named Brian Mead uh, who was the high school pastor. And literally on his first home fellowship that he did, the kids decided, the boys decided it'd be great to tackle him into the pool. And he like had just gotten his new flip phone, which was amazing back then. Dude, he was mad. It was like the first time, like, it's like, oh, it's my new pastor. Like, why is he yelling at the kids? Like that's, we, we tend to get angry and hulk out and just get so mad. It's this emotional rage and anger that we have. It's true that anger is just one letter away from danger, if you think about it. Ray Steadman said this, Sinful anger, of course, is anger that is self-defensive. It's centered on the self. It's always wrong. Sinful anger is part of the old life. It is to be put off. If you are angry because your feelings have been hurt or your pride has been injured or you've been mistreated in some way, perhaps you have not been given the position of the place or favor that you think you should have gotten. This is sinful anger and it should be put off. It arises out of the old life and it's part of the life of the old man, of the wind the sinful, wicked old man that we all had before Christ. Guys, Jesus was angry at times, but he never retaliated. He had times where he was angry, but he never struck back. He never attacked others. Whether it was with his words in just a vicious way, whenever Jesus spoke out of anger, it was always to point someone to the sin that was destroying them. It was always this anger that was actually driven by love to bring people out of darkness. And You know, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, really struggled with anger. He showed up to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, you know, the other disciples are really ticking me off. James and John, these guys are just creeps. Lord, how many times should I forgive them? How many times should I forgive them? And Jesus says, listen, Peter, forgive them an unlimited amount of times. Unlimited. You, You have an overflow of forgiveness. And we see this in Peter's life. 1 Peter 2, 23, he writes about this. He he says, Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus was the one who was always willing to forgive. When Jesus hung on the cross, what did he say? Think about it. If someone drove nails through your hands and you were hanging on a cross, would you be like in a place where you're super excited to forgive? Like, just think about the pain of a nail ripping into your wrist. I can hardly handle a splinter. Jesus is dealing with nails in his wrist. What does he say up there on the cross? Father, kill them now. No, he says, Father, forgive them. That's the kind of love of Christ. How quickly a capacity to hate what is evil is used to protect violently our own egos. Guys, we have such huge egos, and when somebody attacks us, when someone makes a snide comment about us, when someone gossips about us, does that make your blood boil? Does that make you get upset and all of a sudden you're fantasizing about ways that you're going to get back at them, ways that you're going to gossip about them, ways that you're going to take them down, ways that you're going to make them look stupid? The people in your life, in your schools, in your families that hurt you, 
That's the philosophy of the world. It's an eye for an eye. If someone hits you and you hit back, and that's really why we have so many wars in the world. The wrong kind of anger manifests itself in this uncontrolled fashion. It's anger under the control of the flesh. Here's the reality. If your anger is not under the control of the Holy Spirit, it will be under the control of Satan. And I don't want anything in my life under the control of Satan. That just sounds like a recipe for disaster. The Bible says that our battle is never against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. We hate sin because of what it is, not the sinner. There's two kinds of anger, really, that we see. Maybe you fit one of these descriptions. One is confrontational anger. Confrontational anger. This is anger on the outside. So this is having a bad temper, explosive fits of rage, an uncontrolled tongue. You just trash talk people without even thinking. Maybe you're here today and you're really sarcastic and someone says something and you just, you just bite back instantly. You just hit them where it hurts. You know their weaknesses. You know their insecurities and you just know how to go there and get them or, or maybe even potentially violent. And I don't, I don't know all of you what goes on in your home life, but maybe you've experienced this with family members or maybe you yourself have tendencies to become violent when you're angry with your siblings or with other members of your family. You know, my grandpa growing up, and this is before I was born, this is when my dad was a kid, my grandpa was an alcoholic and he was so full of anger and rage. And I've listened to his backstory. I've listened to my grandpa talk about how he barely knew his own dad and, and, and just this this arranged marriage that his parents had and how they didn't really truly love each other that much. And just, just the, I, I can see the things that led up to him being this alcohol-filled, angry person. And I heard stories from my dad talking about at times when my grandpa, when he was a young father, would get so angry at my dad and my uncle and my grandma that he would punch a hole through the wall because he was so mad. But thank goodness, because of Jesus, as soon as he became a Christian, God brought that anger under control. And now my grandpa is one of the most compassionate, loving, merciful, sweet persons I've ever met. He leads a Bible study on Monday nights. You would meet him and you would never think that he would hurt a fly. But I can guarantee he's a guy who still gets stirred up and frustrated with sin in the world. But how does he go forth from that? He goes forth in love. He goes forth with the gospel. That's my grandpa now. So there's the outward anger, but what about the inward anger? The non-confrontational anger. This might be some of you guys. If I have to pick one or the other, I lean more on the inward anger. That's more me if I had to pick one of the angers. So that's bitterness. That's sitting around and just thinking about how frustrated you are with someone, just thinking about, you know, that person let me down or that person's not coming through or just, you know, sitting around and just thinking and thinking and overanalyzing and becoming bitter. Um, That's being passive aggressive. That's like, you know, you're not outwardly saying something that's hurtful, but you're saying something hurtful like on the sly. Some of you guys, that's more your speed. And it's gossip. It's gossip. It's, it's, It's instead of confronting someone, spreading rumors about them and gossiping about them. Guys, this is so destructive. And sometimes in other times, in other ways, this inward anger, this passive aggressive anger can actually be more destructive than the outward anger. You know, I was picked on growing up um, a lot. You know, I was a chubby kid and kind of socially awkward, still am. Uh, And I had this one kid in my class named Michael. And I was was just always like, Michael, Michael. That's what I, I just, that's what I said. I thought he was a jerk, and he made me cry. I was a really sensitive kid in elementary school, and he made me cry so many times. So what did I do? Did I go to him and say, hey, we need to talk. You're being really mean to me. No. I started a club. It was an anti-Michael club. (laughs) And me and my three friends who were against Michael would meet on the playground, and we would write fan fiction about how much we didn't like him. That's how much we were nerds. (laughs) And here's what happened. Here's what happened. I ended up becoming what I fought against. I ended up becoming what I hated. Someone was being mean to me, so what did I do? I became mean to them. I didn't handle my anger. I didn't bring it to the Lord, and so I became cruel to someone else. And this came out. This came out in a really bad way. I remember uh, it was super weird. Didn't even mean for it to happen. But you know that playground over there with the swings? That's playground 4.0, Okay. I'm talking about Playground 1.0. This is back when I was in second grade. That playground has been through so many transitions. Uh, we had rickety old swings, and we had this weird shack that we called the dollhouse. 
I don't know why we call it that, but it was this creepy little shack just in the corner. It's about this big. Um, and it had this roof that was like, it had these like tar roof slats on there. And I remember one time, I don't know what happened, but I was on the playground. I was probably in fourth grade. And Michael just said something so snotty to me. And I was just like, Michael. Oh, Michael. And he, and he stormed off. And I was like, he's such a punk. And I was so angry. And my rage boiled up that I literally grabbed that roof and I ripped a piece of the roof off. And I was like, mm. and I wanted to hit Michael so bad, but I was like, mm, I'm just going to throw it. And I chucked it into the air. And it went, and it went off. And then it went, and it started coming back this way. No joke, it hit Michael directly in the face. Just, just, and he's on the ground now. He's crying, knocked off his glasses. I was just like, how did that even happen? Dude, it was Satan. It was like satanic. It was like a demon that went in and was like, ah, we're going to make this happen here. Here's what God was showing me. He was showing me that's what's in your heart. Like, I just let that play out to show you what you really want to do to this guy. You really do want to smack him. You really do want to become violent with him. That's what's in your heart. And that's what happens, guys. Just like me with Michael, because I let anger and bitterness well up in me, when the moment came, I exploded and ended up hurting people around me. That's what happens when we don't deal with anger. Neither one of these angers is not healthy. James 1.10 says, The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I read this story. It's uh, this crazy story about this man named Mr. Donahoe. It's in 1935. He, he writes in his will. And he's got these two daughters. Here's what he says. Unto my two daughters, Frances Marie and Denise Victoria, by reason of their horrible attitude towards a loving father, I leave the sum of one dollar to each and a father's curse. May their lives be fraught with misery, unhappiness, and complete sorrow. May their deaths be soon and of a lingering malignant and torturous nature. And the last line of the will is so vicious that I don't even want to read it. But he says, may their souls rest in hell and suffer the torments of condemnation for eternity. Gosh, that's a really bad dad. Here's the reality. Such crazy hatred did not develop in one day. This had to grow over a long period of time. I don't know what happened between him and his daughters, but this was years and years of not dealing with anger not sitting down, not having those hard conversations, not talking it out, not praying it out. This was a guy who obviously believed in God because he's saying he wants his daughters to go to hell, but he didn't call on God and ask for his help and he let his anger consume him. Guys, we should never allow our minds to become soil for the seeds of hatred to grow. We would do ourselves a world of good by obeying the words of, the words of Paul. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down. That means don't go to bed if you're angry. If, so, if, you, if you're mad at someone and the sun's going down, dude, pick them up. Pick up the phone. Call them. Text them. If it's your brother or sister, walk down the hall and knock on their door. But don't go to bed angry at them. This is such a good principle for husbands and wives. And this is one I've been able to honestly say for me and my wife because, believe it or not, we have been mad at one another. And it's usually because I've done something stupid because my wife is an angel, uh, but I am usually just doing something ridiculous. I'm usually being messy, or I'm usually just acting like a little kid at home, because uh, when I get home from work, I like, don't want to be an adult anymore, because being an adult is hard, but it, it causes my wife frustration at times, and, and you know what? I'll be honest. We've been so blessed that we've obeyed this advice, because for me and my wife, and for the times where we have been frustrated with one another— We've decided, hey, we're not going to go to bed mad at one another. We're going to talk this out no matter how long it takes. We're going to work this out, and we're going to hug it out, and, and we're going to pray together. And it's been such a blessing for my marriage. And I want to pass that on to you, whether it's your friends or your future spouse or your parents. or Don't let anger grow in you. Don't let it fester in you and develop into this horrible, bitter thing. Do not let your wrath flame up. In Matthew 5:44, Jesus says, "I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you." That's hard to do, but that's one of the most defining characteristics of being a Christian. Seriously, if people want to know if you're a Christian or not, the question is, do you forgive? Do you love others? 
Because if we call ourselves Christians and we don't forgive, we are not truly acting Christ-like at all. The second thing we see is the danger of carrying a grudge. We talked about this. Don't carry a grudge. I'm not going to say much more on that. It's simple. Don't carry a grudge because it turns into bitterness. You know what? Some of you tonight, I think, are probably here and you're probably struggling with anger and you're dealing with bitterness. You're mad at somebody. You're frustrated at somebody. Something happened in your life. Someone hurt you. Someone someone hurt you. And it was hard and frustrating. And some of you guys are here tonight and you're wrestling with that. Maybe someone hurt you a long time ago and you're, you're holding on to that bitterness. Or maybe someone hurt you recently. Maybe it's a recent thing that happened and it's just, it's eating you up. It, you find it hard to think, hard to eat, hard to sleep, hard to have actual conversations with people. It's like this anger is clouding your mind. This bitterness is clouding your judgment. And it's causing you to just just live in this existence that's really painful because you're refusing to forgive others. Guys, listen, you might be thinking, I don't need to deal with this anger. I don't need to deal with it because time heals all wounds. Here's the reality. That that verse is not in the Bible. That's just an expression people say. Time does not heal unresolved anger. If you are here tonight, you think I can't forgive someone. I can't forgive them, but I'll forget. The reality is you won't. In time, you will only grow more and more bitter and your anger will consume you towards that person and it will cripple your ability to live truly as a Christian. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because you know people in your family and your life who are constantly living in bitterness and anger. Tonight, God is calling you to let it go. Really, truly. He's saying, let go of your anger. Lay it down at my feet. Let me replace it with something better. Love and forgiveness and a righteous anger that's stirred up to then take those feelings and then love others, but not this anger that eats at you and destroys your heart and makes you bitter towards other people. As we wrap up tonight, I just, I mean, I don't really have much more to say on this. I think I've said really all I can. And I want to encourage you guys more than anything that forgiveness is the key really to all of this I think some of you guys tonight God really is calling you to move from fury to forgiveness from just a feeling of frustration and rage at someone else to actually being able to let down your guard and to, to open up your heart and forgive and I know it's hard I know it's hard to forgive whether you're here today and it's just been gossiping whether you're here today and it's been something much more extreme, something dysfunctional, something broken in your family. If you're here tonight and you haven't forgiven, it's going to be such a hard thing for you to go forward. And so what I'm gonna do is I am going to show you guys a video really quick, a video that really blesses me. Um, A friend of my wife actually years ago made this video and it's one of the most powerful videos of forgiveness I've seen. So I want to show you guys this, and then we're just going to pray, and then uh, Scott's going to come up and sing one more song, and then we're going to just break up into some groups and just discuss this. And as we discuss it, I want you guys to be honest with your small group leaders. Are you angry about something? Are you frustrated? Are you struggling with anger? If you're here, maybe you're embarrassed to admit what you're angry about. Maybe you feel like you could, it's just too much, it's too much drama. Maybe it's something with your family, and, and you just you can't really be open with it. At least just ask for prayer. At least just say, hey, I'm really struggling with angriness and bitterness right now, and I really need prayer. I promise you, if you give God an inch, he'll take a mile. If you submit to God a bit, he will come and bless you so much. He'll give you what you need. 